James Kennedy Ministries presents Truths That Transform. Today on Truths That Transform. Uh, it's estimated 260 million Christians around the world live in places at high risk or they experience persecution. And so we, as their brothers and sisters, are, are called to pray for them and try and help them in one way or another. On this International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, you'll meet some believers whose faith is unbowed, despite intense opposition. Join us for today's Truths That Transform. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. You may not realize it, but Christian persecution is on the rise worldwide as an estimated 340 million or more believers suffer for their faith. The current crisis in Afghanistan has Christians fleeing or hiding from extreme violence. And there are many other places where Christians are living under extraordinary duress. On today's program, you will hear some of their compelling stories. And we will give you a unique opportunity to help. We begin with a look at the personal stories of Christians who right now are being persecuted for their Christian faith. I used to put the Bible under my pillow. One day, I went out. My mother came to my room and found the Bible under the pillow. When I returned, she asked me about it. I told her, I became a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. She went to the kitchen and brought a knife. She came to stab me with it. The knife cut my hand right here and injured me. She then spit in my face and insulted me. When they hit me, they broke and dislocated my shoulder. They cut my neck from the back. They hit me with a sword and it broke a bone in my face. This bone was broken with the sword and also cut up my arm. One type of pressure that they put on me was to force me to marry my cousin so he would take care of me and he would make me return to Islam. And they were ready to set up a date for the wedding. But then the Lord opened the door for me and I ran away. Most people in the world don't understand that there is a worldwide war being waged against Christians. It's estimated 260 million Christians around the world live in places at high risk or they experience persecution. And so we, as their brothers and sisters, are, are called to pray for them and try and help them in one way or another. Sunday, November 7th, 2021, is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, where the body of Christ is asked to lift up those suffering for their faith. This is a day, uh, one Sunday, in the year that the church recognizes those who have 
paid the ultimate price for their faith in Christ, and for us to be aware that many are still paying that price today. And so this is a wonderful time for the church to come together, to pray for those who are suffering, to pray for perseverance, and to let them know that they are not forgotten, that we are thinking about them, that we are praying for them. I often say persecution takes on two forms. It takes on uh, persecution at the familial level, at the family level, and at the state level. So the country persecuting whole groups of Christians. If you're talking about state persecution, the country that is probably the greatest offender is Iran. At the familial level, it covers really the whole region of the Middle East and North Africa and into Central Asia. There was a study done several years ago at a university in Amman, Jordan. And this university had many, many uh, students who, from different backgrounds, but they were very Western in their thinking. So some of these students had gone and studied abroad for part of their college career, but overwhelmingly, when the question was asked of them, what should be done to a family member who converts from Islam? You had 50 to 60% were saying that if they don't come back to Islam, that death is ac acceptable. Uh, so this is, gives you an idea of even in the most urban, progressive environment in the Middle East, you still have this seventh century way of looking at conversion. It is, it is unacceptable even in the most modern households in the Middle East. However, in many countries around the world, it is not simply familial persecution that they undergo, but rather persecution enforced by tyrannical governments. Every day we get new reports uh, from other countries of what is happening to Christians. For example, in China. China is confiscating churches, throwing pastors in jail. They're turning churches into um, cultural centers in which they become indoctrination centers into Xi Jinping's form of communism. In China, you have the um, Communist Party, which has in the last year uh, really begun to synthesize all religions. They're working very hard to um, reconfigure all the faiths that are active in, in China to um, have as its ultimate worship the party. We need to pray for uh, people in North Korea because they are suffering so much under the uh, communist you know, regime. Uh, I think it's a tragedy, you know, uh, after the Korean War in 1950, uh, North Korea uh, is uh, controlled by communists, and the South Korea, we enjoy the democracy. So it, we experience the, uh, the economic development and freedom and all these kind of flourishing lifestyles. Christians know from whom their rights arise. They know their rights come from God. They know that He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in an authoritarian regime, the only uh, final answer to power is the regime itself, be it the party or the totalitarian um, ruler. So, so Kim Jong-un is God to the people of North Korea. South Korea is known for its robust and growing Christian population. But there's an ever-present threat from their neighbors in the North. 
In reality, yeah, we have a threat because of North Korea, because they launch missiles and uh, they uh, develop uh, the nuclear bomb. Uh, this is what's happening in North Korea, right, through, through international media. And uh, uh, actually, they launch the missiles, right? So um, it's a threat. But as a Christian and the believers uh, of Christ Jesus, you know, we believe in God Almighty. So our destiny uh, is in His hands. So we just pray by faith in Christ Jesus, and we believe that God is taking care of us, and we pray for the peaceful solution and the peace and the, you know, happiness of the people who are suffering in North Korea. Joshua Youssef, president of Help the Persecuted, knows firsthand how the power of prayer can help those suffering for their faith. Prayer is an integral part of this whole organization without the Lord uh, and, and petitioning the Lord, uh, we're just spinning our wheels. Um, the Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers. And so when we're asleep, he's at work. And so we have to seek him and really fear him in this, in all that we do. And so we're, we're, we really do need people to be praying for us and be praying for these people. And oftentimes when we tell persecuted Christians that people in the West are praying for them, they're so overcome. They can't believe that somebody 6,000 miles away or 7,000 miles away is praying for them in their hour of need. Our staff on the ground in the Middle East and North Africa, they send real-time prayer requests that we uh, package up and get out to our prayer partners every weekend. And so there's thousands of people who are praying for these real-time prayer requests. And this prayer group is really the engine that drives uh, our organization. Uh, this is so important because not only are we asking the Lord to give us wisdom and, and intervene, but when we tell others that people halfway around the globe are praying for them, the encouragement that they get is amazing. They're just so encouraged. As we continue to pray for the persecuted church around the world, it is important to note that the number of Christians living in these dangerous countries continues to grow. God is doing something historical in Iran. Did you know Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world? And I, I'm not the one who's saying that. Independent research has shown that. There are two, three million believers, Muslim background believers in Iran, and it's growing. So uh, being a Christian is dangerous. Having a Bible is dangerous. In the book of Philippians, uh, Paul writes uh, in chapter 1, verse 29, It has been granted unto you not only to believe in Jesus Christ, but to suffer for his sake. And the same Greek word that Paul uses is, is, the, word, is the word grace. Uh, it's charis in the Greek. So it has been graced unto you not only to believe in Jesus Christ, but to suffer for his sake. And these people in the Middle East and North Africa who are suffering persecution because of their faith in Jesus are, ex are experiencing a double grace, the grace to believe, but also the grace to suffer. And we can come alongside them in that grace and experience that same thing. The Apostle Paul commended the early church for remembering him in his imprisonment, praying for him, and helping him with his physical needs as he suffered for the message of Christ. And we need to do the same thing today. 
coming alongside our fellow members of the body of Christ as they face hostility and even potential death because of their faith. We have partnered together with Josh Youssef and our friends at Help the Persecuted to work to send emergency relief kits to Christians in need. These kits include urgent food provisions like rice, oil, and flour, as well as spiritual resources like Bibles. To help send kits to Christians in need, as well as to help us continue producing and airing programs like this one, contact us right away with a generous donation. We would like to extend help to at least 500 families. As you consider God's abundant blessings in your life, perhaps you will give a gift of $100 or $500 or even $1,000. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 877-962-7677 or go online to djkm.org. The Bible has a lot to say about those who suffer for Christ. Dr. D. James Kennedy examines one of the most beautiful verses in this portion of his message, Semper Fi. Be thou faithful unto death, said Christ and I will give thee a crown of life. A glorious text. And it seems like the concepts of fidelity and honor and loyalty are disappearing from our culture. This was not true, however, in Smyrna, the city of Ephesus, in what once was Asia Minor but now is Turkey, is, of course, the modern name for the ancient city of Smyrna. In the centuries before Christ, Smyrna had become a Roman colony, and they were noted for their faithfulness, for their fidelity to the empire and to the Caesar. And when other cities were attempting to secede, when treachery and conspiracies were abounding, where wars are raging around them, the city of Smyrna remained ever faithful. And in the first century AD, when Christ was brought by the apostle to the city of Smyrna, many came to know the Savior, and they too were known as faithful Christians. In fact, the bishop at the church at Smyrna, when these words were written by Christ, by John rather, was one of John's disciples, one of John's converts named Polycarp, one of the great famous uh, church fathers in the second century. Polycarp, who became a martyr for Christ, He was brought to trial when he was 86 years old. And he said that all of his life he had followed Christ since he was just a child. And Christ had never failed him. He had ever been faithful. How could he deny him now? And Polycarp was martyred for his faith. 
and receive that crown of life. But the church at Smyrna remained faithful even after the onslaught of Islam when thousands of Muslims began to come out of North Africa and Saudi Arabia into Asia Minor, now Turkey, and trying to take over all of Europe. And they remained firm and resisted that onslaught until 1424. They were the last city in Asia Minor to finally yield to that onslaught. They were faithful unto death. Well, why the title Semper Fi? It is the motto of the United States Marines. Semper Fi, the shortened form of Semper Fidelis, which means always faithful. Jesus was the ever faithful Semper Fidelis man. The book of Revelation calls him that sat upon the white horse whose name was Faithful. And his followers in Revelation 17, it's described as, and they that were with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Faithful, of course, means full of faith. But Christ is the ever faithful one. And when we take hold of him by faith, his faithfulness flows into us. And so therefore, one of the inevitable qualities of those who are connected to Christ by faith is that they are filled with faith. They are faithful unto death. Now, the sufferings that I mentioned with Polycarp and others in that church and which were so prevalent in the first three centuries of the Roman persecutions when ten huge tidal waves of persecution swept across the Roman Empire from Nero to Diocletian, rising with ever greater crescendo of fury, horrific, terrible, unbelievable tortures that the, only the most depraved of minds could conceive of, where everything imaginable was done to Christians. That did not end in the third century, but it goes on through the centuries and amazing to tell, Mirabile Dictu, in the 20th century there had been more martyrs for Christ than in any other century, including the first. Millions upon millions of Christians have been found faithful unto death in this century. The Chinese in the Cultural Revolution killed every Christian they could find or get their hands on. The Koreans in North Korea took whole bodies of Christians and marched them onto bridges and pushed them off the bridges into freezing water amidst the ice to freeze and drown. And so it has been. And so it is. Are you faithful unto death? Salvation, as I said, is through faith in Jesus Christ, but our faithfulness is the only way that we can reveal the reality of that faith. Am I a Christian? Are you? The only way that you can know that I am a Christian, that I have faith, that I am filled with faith, the only way that you can know that is that I am faithful. And dear ones, I am worried about some of you. 
I do not see the faithful service of Christ in the core of his church, the soldiers of Christ. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Death, life. The promise of him who is life itself. Ah, dear ones, how our nation, how our church needs faithful ones. I hope that this day, many of you will commit your lives or commit him afresh to be faithful unto Christ. And you will take for your own the motto of the United States Marines, Semper Fi, ever faithful, O Christ, my King. True faith, as Dr. Kennedy explained, reveals itself in faithfulness. Around the globe, millions of Christians are demonstrating their faith through their faithfulness, even, in many cases, unto death. And what about us? Are we faithful to Christ? God tells us in the book of Hebrews, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. We are partnering together with our friends at Help the Persecuted to send emergency relief kits to Christians in need. These kits contain emergency food provisions like flour and oil and rice, as well as spiritual provisions like Bibles. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in places like Afghanistan under the Islamic Taliban. As any in the body suffer, we all suffer. How many families can you help with both temporal and eternal comfort this year? Each kit costs an average of about $35, and our goal is to be able to help provide at least 500 of these emergency relief kits. Please contact us today with a generous donation to help us get these relief kits out as well as to continue the ongoing media work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. In a few weeks, we will gather with our loved ones to celebrate Thanksgiving here in America. By coming to the aid of Christian families suffering persecution around the world, we hope that they too can give thanks to God for his timely provision. Paul tells us that God blesses us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Will you help provide that comfort? If you're like me, God's abundant blessings are a source of encouragement and a reminder of His love. 
Your gift of $100, $500, or even $1,000 will bring urgently needed aid to your fellow Christians enduring persecution, as well as to help us continue to stand for truth and defend your freedom. Many Christians in Afghanistan are hiding for their lives, and even having a Bible app on their phone can be cause for execution. In Iraq and other Islamic countries, those who have converted to Christ sometimes even face torture and beatings from their own families. On this International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, please do not wait to help these brothers and sisters. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. In places like Afghanistan today, one could survive simply by renouncing Christianity and professing to embrace Islam. Yet many are going to their deaths in the name of Jesus Christ. Why would they do that? These people are willing to suffer because what they have discovered in Jesus is far more wonderful and satisfying and lasting than anything that can be found on this earth. In 1956, a group of Christian missionaries led by Jim Elliott were attacked by an Ecuadorian tribe of Indians they were trying to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. Though Elliot and his team were armed with rifles, they refused to defend themselves, instead suffering murder at the hands of those they hoped to see saved. Jim Elliot had previously written in his personal journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In the years following, virtually that entire tribe came to know Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Now this does not mean that all of us will die for our faith. But it does mean that if we want eternal life, we need to turn our lives over to God. Through his abundant grace and mercy, God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, into the world to pay for the sins of everyone who trusts in him for salvation. Jesus purchased the forgiveness that your creator and judge now offers to you as a free gift. If you have not received that gift, I urge you to call upon the name of the Lord right now. Pray along with me. Father, I have sinned against you, and I have lived my life for myself rather than for you. But Lord, I want to turn from my sins and welcome Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible gift of eternal life in Christ. Help me, please, to repent of my sins and to put you and your will first in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name.
If you sincerely prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a vital resource we'd like to send to you at no cost or obligation to you. It's Beginning Again, Dr. Kennedy's book for new believers to guide you in your relationship with Christ. Contact us to receive a copy today, and may God bless you as you do. D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for being with us. Here's a look at the next truths that transform. The Pilgrims. They were poor. They were outcasts. They were enemies of the state for their refusal to submit to the Church of England. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.